what is up everybody welcome back we are the spectators and we are here with some mlb mid-season action i'm julian osius and i'm here with brooklyn what's going on brother what's going on is on top of the mid-season action we got some mlb trade deadline action mm -hmm. going on today too man yeah, we didn't get too much. Nothing too, too spicy. We got one or two yeah. things that will shake things up for sure. But nothing too crazy, uh, which we kind of expected. Uh, before we get into it, we want to mention it is raining really hard in in Tampa. Uh, pretty Shout much for the last two weeks. Yeah. And uh, right now it is just pouring. So if you hear a little rain, uh, just en enjoy some soothing rain sounds. You know, this is this we is. We got the, you with the ASMR. Yeah, we got a little ASMR one going on. This, except we might be a little loud, but it's alright. It's alright. But as we said, mid-season awards, trade deadline stuff, kind of who surprised us, who didn't, all that kind of good stuff. Um, we're just gonna get straight into it with the trade deadline stuff before we get into how people have performed, just because that's a little exciting, right? Uh, the big headliner of of the weekend, starting pitcher for or formerly for the Cleveland Indians, Mike Clevenger, getting shipped out to the San Diego Padres, who have been making all sorts of moves to try and make this the year. Uh, how you feeling about it, Brooke? I love it. I absolutely love it. It's a great move. It bolsters that rotation and the Padres are a team to be scared of they're a very young team a very dangerous team a hungry team and exciting really exciting to watch yeah and so getting Clevenger uh, Cleveland kind of wanted to separate from him with the whole COVID scandal that kind of happened in over in Cleveland and then they've just been on this tirade of trading away ace quality pitchers in the last year they traded Corey kluber trevor bauer and now mike clevenger in one calendar year which is just insane and um you know that it gives it gives the padres who have a good starting pitching staff it gives them a definitive ace because chris paddock is very kind of on and off gives them a definitive ace and it just kind of more than anything i think it shows to all they're a really talented hitting team right and it shows Absolutely. to their hitters that they're going to be dedicated to making their jobs a little bit easier so they don't have to hit uh, five grand slams in six games. <laughs> but they can Absolutely. do it. Well, they they definitely do could it. do it. And before we move on to uh, the ones that we already have ready for you guys, we just got from Ken Rosenthal, uh, per The Athletic, the Reds get Archie Bradley, and they also get Brian Goodwin from the Angels. Really? Ooh. So two uh, nice little pickups there for Cincinnati, and I know that's uh, been your horse in this race for this year. So, yeah, uh, two nice little pickups. This is actually the first I'm hearing about that. So I think yeah, for them, this is a really good pickup because Archie Bradley, um, he can be that fourth or fifth starter for them, or he can also eventually fall into like a bullpen kind of role as like a long relief kind of specialist. Mm -hmm. I think he'll bring a lot of needed depth in that bullpen that hasn't been particularly good this year and then brian goodwin is just a really good baseball hitter he's just he just That's hits facts. the baseball really well and as many good hitters as the reds have had or have this year it's been really underwhelming they haven't been able to put it together mustakis hasn't played too well joey Votto's hitting under 100 on the road 
Um, which is nuts. Which is insane. He's hitting like 370 at home and .064, some nonsense like that on the road. Um, Castellanos was an MVP candidate for like a couple meh weeks. And um, that's but, the thing with baseball. You're going to have your ups and downs. Yeah, but they haven't been able to put it Somebody together. Be. So I think this is showing that they were never going to trade Trevor Bauer. They think that they still have a good team. They just got to figure it out. And maybe this will be what they need. They kind of need another outfielder, another kind of bat out there. The reliever that can maybe not give up 40 runs when he goes out there. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's an interesting little trade. That's a cool one. And uh, throughout recording this, we're going to just be putting it on you because we're getting them in just as we're recording. And here's another one. Jeff Passan uh, reports uh, Cameron Maben from the Tigers to the Cubs, first place Cubs. So hmm. That gives them uh, another bat. Yeah. That's an interesting one for me, though. Uh, nice little ball player, too. He'll, yeah. He's a good rally starter, good teammate to have in the clubhouse for speed. just team chemistry so nice but, little but that one's interesting for me just because yesterday so uh, sunday night the cubs mm-hmm. played and they're the first team in mlb history to have three outfielders all with multiple home runs in one game schwarber ian happ and uh, jason hayward all had two home runs last night um so adding really? another outfielder is a little interesting but those are all like or at least Hap and uh, Schwarber are not good fielders, and Maven's at least an average fielder. But, huh, yeah. that, that's an interesting one, too. I don't know how much better it makes the Cubs, but it, it gives a little bit more veteranship and shows that they're actually trying to win. So, something, something interesting to look at. I don't at. know how much uh, this one really does, but the Mets just get Robinson Chirinos as well, reported from Ken Rosenthal. And that's, I imagine, in retaliation to, um, in that Clevenger deal that we are talking about earlier, they also got um, a catcher from the Padres in Austin Hedges, got shipped out to Cleveland. So now Cleveland had three catchers, so they're now moving Chirinos out to the Mets. That's, that probably makes sense for them. They're probably getting something usable back in exchange. Um yeah, that's interesting. I don't know what that does for the Mets, but yeah, it's interesting. Because uh, the Mets still think so. they can be good this year, and I think they definitely have the guys if they can not let up seven two leads with two outs in the last inning of a game. Um, yeah, the NL East is weird right now, man. Yeah, none of those teams are playing up to what they should be at all. And it doesn't help that the Braves have, like, five injured starters. Like, that's just tough. Yeah, um, it's wild, and apparently the Marlins are trying to make a run at it. Yeah, and before we get to the Marlins, I want to finish up with the Padres because they did make multiple moves. Um, okay. So they go after uh, Trevor Rosenthal. They go get him to spruce up that, that bullpen. I think that's a great pickup for them because their bullpen was supposed Absolutely. to be a strength, and it turned out to not be so good. Kirby Yates was hurt, and even before he hurt, was hurt, wasn't particularly good. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go get another reliever in Rosenthal. They go get Mitch Moreland, who might be the best DH in baseball. And they had a DH problem in San Diego. If there was a hole in their offense, it was the DH position. They add a really good lefty slugger there with Absolutely. Mitch Moreland. And um, 
They also went out and got Aaron Nola. Or not Aaron Nola. Um, I'm, for, I'm forgetting his name. But the catcher, Austin Nola. There it is. Austin Nola. Uh, catcher from Seattle. They traded um, a really good prospect in Tremel to go get him. So that's a kind of a blow. And they're definitely using that really deep farm system they have to make this team better now. Uh, they go get Nola, who's having the best year of his career. Uh, he's 30 years old, though, so that might be a little issue. Uh, but they get better offensively at the catcher position with that, 100%. So I, I, think the, I think that the Padres are really showing that they want to make something happen. Yeah, they're, they're going for it, man. Um, all right, you mentioned Miami. What, what are they doing down there? What are they doing? Uh, let's see. Let, let's pull this up real quick. We're I know they acquired. Tactic right now. We got a lot going on right now. Yeah. So uh, they, acquired... they go get a Starlin Marte from the Diamondbacks, mm-hmm. which is really surprising when we heard about it. Because... I wasn't. I wasn't. Su- I was not surprised that they were going out to be buyers. I'm just surprised that they want to be buyers in the first place. Because, yeah. yeah, they're in the mix right now. They're around 500. But do they really think that this is the team that's going to get them to, like, a, a World Series? Or do they just want to make it to the playoffs? I think that's a big thing for um, an organization like the Marlins to say that we're trying to win and get to a playoffs when they haven't been to the playoffs since 2003, which is a whole long time. Um. I think that's Absolutely. really the the big thing here. They want to make the playoffs and show that, like, hey, we want to compete. And they're right in the thick of it. Like, you got Atlanta leading that division at 19 and 14. And then the Marlins are tied with the Phillies at 14 and 15. And then the Mets at 15, 19. And Washington's kind of at the bottom of it. A couple games under 500. But the way it's looking, like, anybody could really take that. If the Braves just have a bad slump. And it's very much could be because, like we said before, their their pitching isn't all there. Haven't been too healthy, which has been affecting a lot of teams this mm-hmm. year. So some more than others. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll get to that eventually. But our New York Yankees, who are made of glass, but the Marlins are right there. So if they're really going to go all in and go ahead and buy. But cool to see what uh, they can make happen. But then, in the midst of their buying, they also sell and they they yep. trade Jonathan VR, who is a versatile switch hitting infielder. Uh, they trade him to the Blue Jays, and that's that's an interesting pickup for the Blue Jays as well because they have a very crowded infield with Bobichet, Biggio, Vlad. Uh, I would imagine that they put VR at third. Or figure out a spot for him if he's not going to be playing every day. Then the rotational kind of guy. But yeah, giving up a just, guy like uh, VR who brings a lot to a lineup. Uh, apparently the Marlins didn't think that like the way he kind of played meshed with what they want to do in Miami. And then um, they have a young kid, Izan Diaz, who's who opted out originally at the beginning of COVID. Who's opting back in for the rest of the season. So... He's going to take over that second base spot. He fits the mold, apparently. So there's a method to the madness, I suppose. But we'll, you know. Supposedly. Supposedly. And on top of uh, the Blue Jays making moves, they also go get Robbie Ray. 
And on, they get and Robbie Ray, Rex. who's going to be a, either a starter or a reliever for them. Kind of the same thing with Archie Bradley. Um, they also go get Taiwan Walker, who I know you've really wanted yeah. for the Yankees. I did. Um, he's, a, he's a nice did. little young starter um, who will probably get the same treatment that Dylan Bundy did once he leaves um, Baltimore. <laughs> he'll be good, like really good. And then they also get a slugger in Daniel Vogel back, who yeah. Vogel, Vogel back, 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 um, <laughs> I don't know how you say it. Uh, he's been a really good power hitter for a couple of years now, and they kind of picked him up for nothing because Seattle gave up on him because they're trying to lose now. And they kind of have their future kind of set, or not set, but they have a really good prospect system now, right? Um, but they pick up Vogelbach, who, if he starts every day or is the DH for that team, or just pitches or plays when righties are on the mound, he's going to be really good, and he's going to make an impact for them. Uh, yeah, they could probably have a little platoon going with him and Vladdy because they've been playing Vladdy at first. Yeah, and I and I'm, I would imagine that they would either platoon them at first or they would platoon him with somebody as that DH is what I would imagine. Yeah. Um, but that, I mean, that's a great lefty bat to have. And he's a veteran. Yeah, big so pickup he, he brings a little age to um, a really young team over there. Not a not a lot in terms of success and, like, playoff success, but just experience in general, which is good to have. Um, We get a return player uh, moving from the Rangers to the Mets. Todd Frazier goes really? back to New York. Huh. Yeah, from Ken Rosenthal as well. That's so, an interesting one. I th- you know what happened yeah. with that? Um, they they saw that they made a bunch of errors, and uh, Andreas Jimenez, who's going to be a really good ball player, but he's a little bit more seasoned. Ahead of his time right now. Yeah, yeah I, I think they they realized they kind of pushed the button too quick on bringing him up. Bring back Todd, and if nothing else, for a DH to kind of replace what Cespedes left. And uh, that's, a, that's a good offensive weapon for the, for the Mets that I'm sure they're Absolutely. welcome to have back. Absolutely. Um, also, one. an interesting thing, the um, the I believe the Mets get Miguel Castro from the Orioles. Yes, who that's a nice little reliever to add. Um, but Miguel Castro is another one of those guys that's kind of known to give up a lead, so he he just really fits that Mets uh, that Mets gonna Met kind of deal. <laughs> um, now the most surprising thing for me is I think. That the, the Rangers were sellers today, but not in the way you kind of would have expected. So they sell Mike Miner. He goes to the the A's, which is a nice little pickup for the A's. Nothing too crazy. He just adds some depth yeah. for them. And now they can put, like, Chris Bassett as a reliever, too. Um, but they sell him, and they sell Todd Frazier, and that's really it. They keep uh, Lance Lynn, who has just been insane rejuvenated this year he's been really really good and then they keep who i think they should keep by the way but they keep joey gallo and gallo's young he's as good of a power hitter as you'll see but i feel like they could have gotten a lot for both of these guys and they decided to keep him so maybe texas is thinking that they're gonna um compete sooner than later i think i think they're probably thinking Corey Kluber comes back. We have Lance Lynn. If we can get some offense, we can maybe do something. So they keep Gallo, and you know, I, I don't, I don't know what else to think about that really. 
it's uh it's definitely interesting because they're definitely out of it right now sitting at 12 and 21 all hope looks lost for this year so for them to just hang on to what they got and start looking to next year i'm not mad about it i'm not mad about it at all like you said especially with kluber coming back hopefully healthy next year if they could try to add some pieces over the offseason, get them some bats, get them a little bit more depth on uh, the pitching side. Nice little squad over there. So, Absolutely. We'll um, see. And I think that's about it for, for trades. Was there anything else that we missed? Uh, no, we got everything. So if anything pops up uh, while we're recording, we'll let you guys know. But as of right now, we, we're caught up. Yeah, we're pretty caught up. Again, there wasn't anything too crazy. I think... The Marte, VR, and um, Clevenger deals were probably the biggest deal. And then, like, the Rosenthal also, I think, was a really good one. So, pretty much, um, like, Miami there, and, and the Padres were, like, the There's big. one uh, little one that got reported. Kevin Pillar to the Rockies. Okay. So. They, they already had a deep outfield, so that one's a little odd, too. Yeah. I don't know what to think about that one, but yeah, that's, that's, that's what we're sitting there. Huh. Yeah. But it seems like uh, some kind of surprising things. Uh, the Yankees stayed put. The Braves stayed put. The Dodgers stayed put. You kind of expected all of those teams to go get somebody, so I'm kind of surprised they didn't. Um, hmm? Yeah, but that's about it for a trade deadline. We're going to jump, just stick right on the baseball, and we're just going to go – our mid-season awards. Um, I think there's probably about four or five of these that me and Brooklyn probably, and probably the rest of people watching baseball would agree with. And then the rest we'll kind of see as we know, cause I don't know his, he doesn't know mine, but we have an idea of like who we might have, you know? Yeah. So we're going to start with the national league. Cause I think the national league is a little bit more clear cut with some of these things. Um, and we're going to start with a manager of the year. So I want to know who you are. Um, let's see. Because gotta probably go with the Padres. Cause I mean, I I don't know his uh, name off the top of my head, but what that team's doing, they're they're making moves. They're playing well, playing strong. They look good. And nobody really expected them to be at the top of their division right now with the Dodgers. So, then we'll go with the Padres manager. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm imagining most people listening don't know who he is either. So, uh, let me let me introduce you. Uh, the Padres manager is a brand new manager this year. He's a rookie manager. Kind of goes mm-hmm. along with that rookie young team they got. Uh, Jace Tingler. And uh, what he's done out there, I think he has just really, really gotten the most out of the guys that he has. And and I feel like it's not in the way that the A's and the Rays kind of get the most out of their guys. I think this is just we want to play for this manager. And so we want to play. We want to play well. And all the young guys that they got over there uh, have really galvanated around him. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and so I think I think Jace kind of has this as a lock. Another option though would be um, David Ross for the Cubs. Uh, not that the Cubs were a bad team or anything, but he's also a rookie manager, 
and he's done a great job kind of making the Cubs a little bit better than some people probably expected. Uh, so I, I would say he's a good little, like, you know, 1B for that manager of the year. Absolutely. All right. So we got that. We're, we're pretty unanimous on that. Uh, then rookie of the year for the National League. Rookie of the year, I got uh, Jake Cronenworth from the Padres as well. <laughs> he's been putting up some numbers. Uh, he's top 10, really top 5 and. Home runs for rookies, RBIs, runs, hits. He's batting 348. Um, and if you look at it, he's like uh, fourth or fifth on the list. But everybody above him at uh, one through four only got like seven combined at bats. He's sitting at a little under 100 and still batting 348. So the kid's been balling very quietly too. Got 15 RBIs. He's first in that. 17 runs first. 32 hits first. So. And I, and I think good balling. you're just comparing him to rookies, which is obviously, like, the the point of the award. But he's also mm-hmm. hitting just in general 361 with a 1.3 or 1.035 OPS. So these are just good numbers in general. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> so he's really moves. been I, – I would say my rookie surprise for the year, certainly. But for yeah. me, my NL Rookie of the Year has got to go to Dustin May. Okay. I think he has just shown how good his stuff really is this season. And I mean, he's only one and one, so it's not like he's, you know, five and zero, oh, and the Dodgers are really winning around him. Um, not quite his fault, obviously, because there's a lot of no decisions there. If you're only going to be one and yeah. one at this point in the year, but he has a two point eight three ERA. Um, he, he's just not given up all that many important hits. Like he's he'll give up like a single here and there, but he's not giving up the long ball really at all. Um, yeah, I, I don't know his his, um, his strikeouts per nine actually have gone down a lot since last year, and I think that's really because he only pitched a handful of games last year, right? Yeah. But for that to go down and him to be better, I think is a really really good sign of like a mature pitcher that understands. You don't need to be striking everybody out to still be successful. And, Absolutely. And eventually when he figures that out and makes the, the strikeout stuff click, which he obviously has it, um, he's just going to be one of the better pitchers in this league. Um, so so I have him as my rookie of the year. Also, it doesn't, okay. it doesn't hurt that the Dodgers are as good as they are. Obviously, the Padres are good, and Jake has been a big reason for that. He had that big grand slam a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I don't think you go wrong with either of these picks. Yeah, but I'm going to go with Dustin May just on the, the pitching side of it. Yeah, that's all. Okay. Uh, Cy Young, I think – I actually – I'm not sure if we're on the same page with this one, but I feel like uh, – Who you got? Deep in our bones we are. <laughs> well, what you got? I got the the young, the handsome um, you Darvish. <laughs> Ooh, we, we on it. Look, yeah, look at us. We on it. He he has not been particularly good the last couple of years. He went out. No. He went out to the Dodgers. He was okay. He had a bad year or two in Texas when he was on the way out there. He comes to the Cubs is not very good, but he's also really good at the same time. When he was great, he was great, but he was also really bad when he wasn't. And he comes yeah. into this season, and he he is six and one with a one point four seven ERA which is yeah. nuts, right? 
and he's pitched um, in and seven games, so he has a decision in all of his games. Mm-hmm. And I think the real like big thing for me is obviously the ERA is really low, but he is having like career highs in his home runs per nine and his balls per nine. He is significantly lower. He's his career average on like walks per nine is like three and a half ish. He's at a 1.7 this year. So he's not walking batters. And he's pounding the strike zone. And when you have stuff that's as good as what he has, and you're pounding the strike zone, I'll say this until I die, but if you pound the strike zone, you can be a good pitcher. If you're throwing 88, you could be a good pitcher. Absolutely. Look at Kyle Hendricks, right? And when when you have a career low in balls per nine and walks per nine, the home runs and the ERA are just going to come because you're putting batters in bad situations where they have to swing the bat at pitches they don't want to. Absolutely, and he's just he's just been a really fun to watch pitch this year, and he's fourth in the league in strikeouts right now too. Exactly, and so it's not like he's not striking people out. He's pounding the zone early, and he's getting them out because now they got a swing. I believe he almost had a no hitter a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah, I think, I think he it went, ended up around like the seventh or eighth. Yeah, inning, and they took him out but, after that, so he had a no hitter deep. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, he's just been so dumb. And the NL is interesting, too, because there's a lot of really good starters this year. Trevor there Bauer's is. been a beast. Sonny Gray has been Sonny phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, then you got uh, Hugh Darvish. Aaron Nola's been really good. Zach Wheeler's been really good. Um, I mean, there, there's just a whole list. And um, don't sleep on Clayton Kershaw, either. He's had a really, really good sneaky year. So don't sleep on him, either. But, yeah, he had a slow start because obviously he got hurt to start the year. That's why Dustin May ended up starting opening day. So once he gets back into his rhythm, Kershaw's going to do what he does best, except when he gets to the playoffs. Except when he Keep gets to the mind. playoffs. And then <laughs> he'll come back to earth. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to throw uh, Max Freed and Jake DeGrom in there. DeGrom's yeah. obviously probably the most talented pitcher in baseball. Uh, just the Mets going to met. And then Max yeah, Freed hasn't been, been the healthiest either yeah, as well. Exactly, so. exactly. So a lot of good guys in the NL for pitching, which actually surprises me. Um, yeah. We're going to go to NL MVP. Uh, we we all know who this is. It's Fernando mm-hmm. Tatis Jr. Uh, now, unless like a meltdown happens and he goes like Didi Gregorius a couple of years ago where he gets like two hits <laughs> and 50 at-bats, um, I feel like yeah, he kind of has this locked down too. Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. But Bryce Harper is in the mix. Mookie Betts is in the mix. Yastrzemski's up there somewhere, even though they kind of suck. But but Tatis, what he's done, and he's led this team. He's only 21 years old. Mm -hmm. Second year in the league. Leading the league in home runs. He's going to be the, I want to say, youngest MVP in history if he wins it. I think he would be the youngest. Before it was um, Harper and uh, Chris Bryant, but he's going to wind up being the youngest if he does win it. And it'll yeah. it it looks like the Padres are going to make the playoffs off of his back, and it's going to be the first time they've made the playoffs since 2006, which 14 years is a long time to not make the playoffs. It is. Very much is. And that team's just fun to watch, man, especially with all the young talent. Like, that that's one of my favorite teams to – Right home about right now. Oh, the Padres—they're just fun. They're really, really fun. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and, and I mean, yeah, so National League, we're, we're a little bit even pretty much. The only difference was our rookie of the year, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I was I was thinking, I was like, I don't know if he's going to pick you, Darvish. I feel like he's going to go with uh, <laughs> with just somebody, some oddball. I was really thinking you were going to go Aaron Nola just to stick with your like, little I was looking hunt. at Bauer. I was looking at Gray, and I'm comparing them to you, and it's just like – Everything about it, just <laughs> Darvish is taking the cake. Yeah. Really like, the, the only thing you could, like, be mad about with Darvish is he's given up a lot of hits. But those hits aren't translating to runs. Yeah. So you can give up all the hits you want. If they're not scoring off of it, it don't matter. So that that's the only thing that you could complain about. And you really can't even complain. Yeah, so. honestly. Shout out Darvish. A <laughs> <laughs> big shout out to to Darvish. All right. Um now we're going to go over to the American League. I hope you got some time to think about your manager cuz I don't think you were ready for the, for the manager. Um yeah, you sprung that one on me. <laughs> yeah, I told you well, mid-season awards, that. baby. That's an award. Come on. I feel it. I feel it. I feel All right. It. So, manager of the year, American League mid-season, who you got? Bob Melvin. Hmm. Oakland Athletics. Okay. Now, you could go Kevin Cash. Absolutely. Okay. Because, I mean, what the Rays are doing, they're just nuts. But I think Bob Melvin just year after year after year right now, the athletics are just always there. And you can't knock that. So, they're leading the AL West. Team's nasty. We know what they do. And, yeah, I'm going with Melv. All right. Now, I'm going to say a name here. That I I think you're gonna be happy about. Um, for me, Rick Renteria, manager of the year, and I don't think it's close either. Um, now, okay. if you don't know who Rick Renteria coaches, he's the Chicago White Sox manager. All right. Mm-hmm. And Rick Renteria, he's he's been a manager for like four years, right? Three with the White Sox, one with the Cubs. So he's been Chicago boy. He was never mm-hmm. above 500. This year, the White Sox are probably going to finish like 20 games above 500. He's got yeah. all the young kids, Moncada, Robert, Jimenez, uh, Giolito. Uh, I don't know how young Anderson is, but we'll throw him in there too. He, they are all young. playing <laughs> so well. And then all the yeah. moves that they went out and made, going to get Dallas Keuchel, who's been a beast this year, going to get Yasmani Grandal, who's been I mean catchers are pretty bad this year in general. Like catchers kind of just suck. We'll just call a spade a spade. But Grandal's mm-hmm. been one of the better ones. And then the emergence or the reemergence I'll say of Jose Abreu, who as a rookie he was a stud and the second year he was really good too, but now he's kind of figuring it out again. He's getting back into his groove. He's what, second or third in home runs? Like twelve? Uh this team is very reminiscent of the the Twins from last year because they just hit and hit and hit and hit. Yeah. And they have a little bit better pitching too. So. Um, they do. I'm going to go ahead. They're and, right up there with what I've been saying with the Padres. They're one of my favorite young teams right now. And I've been – both of those teams I've been harping about for a while now. And we were talking about it right before the episode a little bit ago. It's really dope to see both of those team teams actually come to fruition and start balling. Yeah, because it's, it's easy for like young guys so to not work out. It just is. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. 
Uh, rookie of the year, we're both going to agree with this one. Uh, Kyle Lewis from the Mariners, he has been just something else. He's been really, really good. Facts. Just really, Facts. really good. And I, I said this in our um, our episode to start the season, right? I said, mm-hmm. this season for the Mariners is not going to be fun to watch, but it's going to be a year-long tryout for a lot of different guys because they had a really oh, good absolutely. A farm system coming into this year. And then they go and they get Taylor Trammell, who's also a stud, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have Kyle Lewis, who he wasn't really one of the main guys you were kind of worried about. You would think he would be like a really good role player, but with the improvements he's made, um, his swing, he's swinging and missing a lot less. He's taking way more pitches than he did last year. Um, he has an OPS of almost a thousand right now. And yeah. he, and he's, he's stealing bases. Batting three thirty nine too, second in the year, second in the league with that. First in runs. Oh, first in hits too, or fourth in hits. So, kid's balling. He's absolutely balling. He looks like a veteran, which is crazy because he just he didn't look like yeah. that last year. And you know, um, I'm excited for for the Mariners. Not next year. Maybe not even the year after. But, yeah, it's going to be a couple of years. But with that outfield they got, they got Jared Kelnick, they got uh, Kyle Lewis, Taylor Trammell, Julio Rodriguez as a third guy, and then they got Evan White over at first base. They got a nice little core. If they can figure something out, get some veterans around them, um, Seattle may eventually be actually relevant. We'll see, though. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. Um, right back to another unanimous one. Uh, Cy Young, AL, Shane Bieber, he's just been yeah, no, no question about that. Absolutely dominant. Just, just anything he should be leading the league in, he is. The ERA, every, literally every one point three five, wins six, strikeouts seventy five, and he only has and nine walks. Point eight one nine whip. walks in six games. It's nuts. It's nuts. He has. Uh, 10 strikeouts in five of his starts or like more or more obviously but in five of his starts which is just nuts um and unless he gives up like 30 runs in the next three games he's probably gonna win Cy Young no matter what um there's nobody really even close I would say like maybe a Garrett Cole or a Zach Greinke have been really good we've had good pitching in the American League like Lance Lynn Keuchel Maeda Cole like you said like they're there, but just they're not on the level of Shane Bieber right now. No, and Shane Bieber's just gotten better and better every year. Um, he was like fourth in Cy Young last year. Uh, AL, or not AL, uh, All-Star Game MVP. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's not a surprise, but it's a little bit of a surprise because we knew he was going to be good, but we didn't think he was just going to just be locked down like this right away. So, yeah, Shane absolutely. Bieber, Cy Young. Pretty easy. Now, this one I feel like we're going to differ on a little bit. American League MVP. Drop it. There's, there's about 10 players that you could put here because nobody's been, like, great, great, like a Tatis. But there's a lot of Yeah, really they have their moments. They drop. It's just been all over the place. Well, who so, you got uh, midseason? We mentioned him earlier. Jose Abreu. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just looking at his numbers, like, he's top 10 in a lot, man. 
He's batting 314, 7th in the league. Got 12 home runs, 2nd. 30 RBIs, 2nd place with that. A little low on the runs, but I mean, the RBIs are up there. Slugging is nuts. OPS is nuts. Uh, 3rd in the league in uh, hits as well. And I mean, like we said, the White Sox, you see what they've been doing. You got somebody like this who's been doing it all year to lead them along with the other young players they got. Jose Abreu has been balling. He really so. has, and um, I that wouldn't surprise me at all, honestly. He's He's been yeah. really, really good. Um, and like we said, the, the American League has been a little odd just because at one point it looked like Trout, uh, Aaron Judge looked like a really clear favorite. Uh, yeah. Both of them have kind of teetered off just injuries and – you know, Trout's not hurt or not playing bad, but you can't. It's really, really hard to give an MVP to a team as bad as the Angels, right? The Angels stink. It's tough. Like bad. It's really tough. And so it's really hard to give it to a team like that. Now I I'm really conflicted on this award, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna bias give it to us to it to this guy. Because mm-hmm. I said at the beginning of the year that one player on this team was going to win it for their division. And that's Nelson Cruz. So okay. I was thinking that Josh Donaldson was going to be like the really good guy coming out of the Blue Jays. Good addition, all that. Uh, it turns out he's been hurt all year. So he really hasn't done anything. I mean, he was okay in the couple games he played. But he hasn't yeah. done too much. But Nelson Cruz is 41 years old. And he's leading nuts, the league man. in home runs with 13. I mean, that's nuts. I feel like that's just self-explanatory right there. Like, he's just been so dominant. And he, he has 29 RBIs, which is, like, up there. I think it's, like, fifth or something like that. He's, uh, he's still striking out a lot, but that's Nelson Cruz. It's just what he does. Um, but he's hitting over 320, uh, 1.089 OPS, which is the highest in his career. At 41 years old. Fine wine. And. Fine wine. It's it, For me, it's one of those things where he came into the league a little bit older. He was like 25, which isn't really older. But, you know, when you see Tatis and Glaber and Juan Soto being stu- and Bryce Harper being so good young, uh, yeah. 25 feels old. And he actually played with Tatis's dad. Or not with, but like a, with the same time frame. Right, and I saw something today that was this is the first time ever that the lead has been for home runs was a 41 year old and somebody 21 and younger sharing the lead for home runs. It's nuts, and it's nuts, and it's it's so fun. And Nelson Cruz has been so good for his whole career, and he's had one of those yeah. careers that's kind of slept on because he played for three teams that aren't really cared about too much: Seattle, Texas, and now Minnesota. We don't we don't talk about that one year he had in Baltimore. We don't talk about that. Um, I forget about it sometimes. Yeah, exactly. I see him in a Baltimore uniform, and I'm like, oh yeah, that that happened. That happened. And gotcha. I mean, 13 home runs. He's gonna end this season with 20 home runs, and we said at the beginning that if you have 20 home runs this season, you're just Babe Ruth. <laughs> you're just nuts. You're you're Roger Maris reincarnated, and. You know, I, I like you said, fine wine. I I just love Nelson Cruz. I can't talk enough. He's about great, him. man. 
Uh, and the Twins are still good. Now they're in a tough division, a much tougher division than I thought it was going to be, but the White Sox and the Indians are both uh, playing really well. And then, like, the other guy I was thinking that I'm sure you were thinking of too, like Brandon Lau. Brandon Lau would be a nuts. phenomenal option. But it's just hard for me to ignore the age and what he's doing, you know? Yeah. And so I, I got to go. Another with- one on top of Lau that I was considering, but I feel like he still needs to do a little bit more. But what he's been doing has been nuts. Is Luke Voigt. Yeah. Yeah, which it, it's it's crazy, but uh, we talk about the home runs, and you know it's weird to make that the staple of like an MVP argument because it's just a counting stat. It's it's one of those like non-impact stats. But Luke Voigt has done anything and everything the Yankees have needed him to do this year. He's he's hit Bad four, he's, he's home hit runs. lead off, he's scoring runs. Best I saw him steal a base the other in the day. league apparently been nuts it's it's crazy like you said everything we need him to do he's been doing his defense has gotten better and it's for him too i feel like it's important that there's been a lot of random kind of comparing him to to pete alonzo just Mm -hmm. obviously pete was the big name he had a million home runs last year but then there was like a comparison of the same amount of games that they've played and the numbers were so shockingly similar and then like if you compare them both for this year they're not quite as similar, and and Luke is really a branch that. Now, that's not a fair comparison. Luke's a little bit more of a veteran, second year in the league for Pete. He'll he'll come back around. He's yeah. he's a really talented guy, but yeah, Luke Voigt, he's probably like fifth or fourth on the list for me. But he's yeah. there. He's definitely there. And somehow, of all the studs the Yankees have, he is the one. It's because none this of those MVP studs list. are even on the field. Yeah. That, that's the issue. None of those studs are on the field. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. It, it's just been bad. It's just been bad. But not you know, a fun time to be a Yankee fan. No. I mean, they're playing better. A little bit. Kind of. Yeah. Until they get swept by the Rays this week again, which I'm not looking forward to. <laughs> Man. No. But, but it is fun times to be a Rays fan, White Sox fan, Padres fan. The The 10 Padres fans that existed before this. Uh, shout out to my buddy Blake, who was the maybe the only Padres fan I've ever actually met that was like into the team, and uh, he's always responded to my to my Instagram stories when I'm posting Tatis because that's my dog. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever met a Padres fan. I, I'm sure I I'll mean, be meeting a few of them over the years now. I mean, but. you got you got two <laughs> of them on this podcast now, so I'm hopping on. I don't care. Yeah. I'm here for I'm a it. big Tatis guy. Big Tatis guy. I bought his jersey the other day, so big Tatis guy. Yeah, I need to get one of him. I need to get a Tim Anderson. And, um, you know. Tim Anderson's my guy. <laughs> and those White Sox uniforms are hard, too, so you got to definitely yeah, get man. one of those. Yeah. But that's all we got for you for baseball. Um, anything else we got, Brooke? Um, yeah, it's been a very wild week. In uh, the sports world, we've had a lot of um, protests going on in all the sports, which is great to see. Baseball's uh, been doing a good job about it, too. Uh, Boycott a couple of their games, coming out, doing a moment of silence for a little bit, going back. A lot of teams participated, too. 
Yeah. So it was it was very cool uh, to see. Um, obviously, like the NBA was always going to be one of the forefronts of this, and we talked about it a little mm-hmm. bit last week with the Raptors. Uh, who were, like, threatening to boycott their first game. And it was, uh, you know, that came out. We're just like, oh, no way. And then it turns out, like, yes way. Hold up. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it's just really it's really cool suit. to see that these people with a platform are here to fight for not just their own rights and their kids' rights, but, like, the fans' rights and, like, the people who look like them, think like them, grew up in similar situations as them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're the ones that are here to inspire us and show that you don't need to be a certain thing or a certain archetype or type of person to be treated a certain way and you know we're all people be nice to each other that's all yeah that's facts and we're witnessing just history man looking back at what's going on in like 10 years 10 15 years like we had sports stop because obviously a pandemic this year which is nuts we had sports stop in the fight and for racial justice as well which is nuts and it's it's just beautiful to see like these professional athletes not being scared to just say all right we want change and we're not gonna play we're not gonna give you what you want until we get what we want we want everybody to be treated equal we want just justice for everybody we want everybody to be on an equal playing field and it's great to see yeah and you gotta love it you gotta applaud it salute to every single person who did it it's good stuff absolutely and you know i'm sure we talked about it a lot i will continue to because it's one of my favorite things um lebron just being so bigger than life um, he's yeah. he's an ultra athlete. He's a, just uber competitor. He wants to win everything he does, but he will not miss an opportunity to say what he believes in and fight for equality of racial status, uh, sexual orientation, genders. Like I mean, he's just so to whatever it is. And then like for education reform, and he has his own school for it, and. Um, it's great to see. Obviously, LeBron's like the bigger name that does it, and thank you know we're thankful for all the guys, not just LeBron's. You don't need to be LeBron to make an impact, but no. But it's know, great when you have somebody like LeBron to do that, and because and he it almost makes it cool so to do people. right. Like he makes it exactly. Whereas you you want to be like him, and it's not just to like me or little Timmy that's watching LeBron that wants to be like him. It's like wait a second, I'm LeBron's friend, and say you're like. Anthony Davis, she's like, huh, maybe I should, like, read into this real quick. Oh, yeah. oh, that's what's going on? Let me help, too. And he's done that his whole career. Shout out. See, that that's why I've always held LeBron to a higher regard than any other athlete. Because you just got to applaud everything. From a young age, too, he's been just this outspoken person, and he's not going to be censored or anything. Like, yeah, he even and, uh, and started that, the uninter- uninterrupted uh, platform to give athletes a bigger platform and a voice to speak their mind. And, like, the I Promise School, that's one of my favorite things I've seen an athlete do. Like, you're still in a league and you started a really huge school for the kids. 
to better them in every type of way. There's so many different programs that school has. Like, we could talk about it for a good little minute, what they do over there. So, big shout-out to LeBron, man, for all the off-the-court. We already know what he does on the court, mm-hmm. but what he does off the court, ten times even bigger. Absolutely. So, thank you guys for listening, as always. Uh, we're going to keep fighting for injustices and everything like that. We're always going to talk about it when it comes up because it's something that we really do strongly believe in. And uh, we love to see all the types of protests, all the peaceful protests that, you know, they'll tell us we can't protest that way, but we're going to because um, yep. if they don't want us to do it a certain way, it's because they don't want us to be hurt. Um, Push it against the grain. Absolutely. So, you know, thank you guys for listening. As always, remember that Black Lives Matter. As always, we're out from the spectators. Later, everybody. Don't forget, we got to make a change on our website. Go uh, check it out. Links, anything, petitions. If you got anything you want us to add to it, let us know. More than happy to it. And yeah, appreciate you rocking with us. See you next week. See you, everybody.